0: Welcome to Outdoor by 4 magazine's audio edition of issue 46. For those unfamiliar with Outdoor by 4, the magazine began its journey as a fully independent vehicle based adventure and outdoors lifestyle publication in 2013. Since that time, Outdoor by 4 has been the catalyst for expanding the reach of overland and vehicle based adventure travel into the outdoors market, with a focus not only on the mode of travel whether a 4x4, motorcycle, bicycle, or by foot but also in the adventures themselves and the people who live them. In this issue, you'll hear a sampling of stories from the print edition, including The Dispatch by Outdoor by Four's editor Editor-in-Chief. Matthew Lynch explores California's Forgotten Roads. Gary Matos shares an adventure to Steens Mountain in southeastern Oregon. Thomas Tucker shares an Aegean adventure while traveling through Turkey in his Jeep JKU. And Alan Ellis summits Ontario Peak in Colorado. There are also a variety of additional stories in this issue you can read by picking up a copy anywhere books are sold, or by subscribing and receiving a copy as part of your subscription order by visiting www.outdoorx4.com. We hope you enjoy this issue of Outdoor by 4 Magazine.
1: Are you looking for the perfect fitting, fully customizable pop-up truck camper for your next adventure? Then look no further than the selection from 4-Wheel Campers. From classic slide-in, bed top, and flatbed configuration designs, 4-Wheel Campers has the setup you need. With extensive available custom options and precision built in Woodland, California, 4-Wheel Campers has been providing quality equipment for the outdoor community since 1972. For more information on the pop-up camper you've been looking for, then pop on over to fourwheelcampers.com. That's F-O-U-R, wheelcampers.com. The Dispatch by Frank Ludwell,
0: Editor-in-Chief. As the rubber from my Mitas tires descended into a rocky outcropping along the Moki Dugway and Valley of the Gods, I couldn't help but wax philosophical as a bird of prey glided through the clear, crisp air off in the distance. Towering vistas protrude from the desert floor, looming over a region with untold stories from the basement of time. It's one of the few places I've been that's so alluring it captivates the soul, causing one to sit still, to breathe, and to ponder a myriad of life's questions. Since 2016, two-wheeled adventures have been formative in my evolution as an adventurist. From the moment I convinced my wife to allow me to seek a motorcycle endorsement on my Texas driver's license, albeit begrudgingly given we have three daughters and an inherent worry that comes with riding a motorcycle, until the time I completed my off-road motorcycle training with the esteemed Bill Dragoo of Dragoo Adventure Rider Training, a world of possibilities opened up in a way I couldn't have imagined. I had always enjoyed experiencing the natural world by foot, on my road bike, mountain bike, and by four-wheeled steed. However, getting lost on a winding road or traversing loose scree en route to a stunning overlook while being consumed by the purr of a single or two-cylinder engine is engaging for the senses. It's a thrilling experience to throw your leg over the saddle and twist the throttle into the unknown, resting under a blink of the stars while being consumed by the howl of a coyote in the far off distance. Adventure on two wheels is a transformative experience and doesn't require a significant bank account in order to get started. My first motorcycle was a gently ridden, I dare say hardly ever ridden, 2012 Kawasaki KLR650, I purchased off Craigslist from a recently retired police officer who sold the bike to me for a pittance of what he had paid. And, the bike only had 180 miles on the odometer when I bought it. You can read how I built out the bike from my various adventures in issues 15 and 20. Additionally, used gear including jackets and pants can be found in online forums and social media groups, along with a good helmet and other basic items. Learning to ride a bike or enhance your skills if you already have experience doesn't have to cost a fortune. One of the best schools in the U.S. is also one of the least expensive. The aforementioned Dragoo Adventure Rider Training School in Norman, Oklahoma is offered by the school's proprietor, Bill Dragoo, who is also one of our regular columnists and is a BMW Motorrad certified off-road instructor. Bill is one of a handful in the U.S. who have gone through the extensive training required by BMW to earn this distinguished certification. Additionally, the Overland Expo series, hosted annually at strategic locations throughout the U.S., also hosts motorcycle training courses taught by Bill and his team of instructors. While not as immersive as the courses offered at their home base in Oklahoma, the training at Overland Expo will whet your appetite and lay the groundwork for a life on two wheels. While two-wheeled forays may not be for everyone, I can attest they're just as exciting as a four-wheeled excursion. The only requirement? stepping out your front door with a desire to explore the world around you. Once you do, you'll be enamored by the wind in your face and the adventure
1: that awaits as you navigate your way into the unknown. California's Forgotten Roads, Words and Photos by Matthew Lynch California has an estimated 396,540 roads. That's more than any other American state save Texas. The Golden State is also home to some of North America's most diverse habitats, with a whopping nine national parks open for public exploration. Unfortunately, California also has 40 million inhabitants, making it the most populated state in America. Collectively, this means there are crowds of people exploring a vast array of natural landscapes via a great many roads. The challenge, therefore, lies in finding the roads less traveled and the natural spot seldom explored by overlanders. So far on my American road trip, California had been a dream. Alongside my best friend James, we'd already driven the full length of the Pacific Coast Highway, or Route 1, or 101, as it's more commonly known. We'd traveled over 600 miles in our red Chevy van from the Golden State Bridge of San Francisco to the Surfer's Haven of San Diego. Yet in all that time, we'd barely had the roads to ourselves. California is certainly not short on famous road trip options. In fact, exploring its iconic highways is something of a national pastime. You can drive the historic Route 66 or the luxurious Napa Valley Silverado Wine Trail. Other journeys take you around the Lake Tahoe Loop, across the Eastern Sierra Scenic Byway, and along the Gold Chain Highway. Yet these routes are exactly that, famous. They're popular, well-worn, and waylaid by visitors. As much as we'd enjoyed the Californian coast, we were searching for something more. In any case, we found ourselves in the interesting position of being at the end of the road, for the United States at least. We had made it to the southern corner of the Pacific coast, where all that lay ahead was the San Diego Bay, and across the water, the khaki mountains of Mexico. There were still two months left on our ESTA, electronic system for travel authorization permit, and we weren't ready for the lawlessness of Central America quite yet. Plus, it felt like there was a whole hinterland in the U.S. just waiting to be discovered. However, despite our eagerness for adventure, our plans were on the verge of being devastated as our vehicle insurance was a week from running out. Trying to insure two British drivers, using international driving licenses and driving a Canadian-plated, self-converted camper van, is no easy task. One of the challenges of multi-country overland trips, as we had regrettably discovered, was the due process involved with taxes, registration, insurance, and piles of paperwork. Eventually, after a grueling three days of phone calls, we secured another six weeks of motor insurance for the United States and were raring to go. With our newfound freedom we decided to put mexico off a little longer and head east to wherever the tarmac took us initially we followed interstate 8 away from the coast and joined a steady flux of traffic heading towards tucson arizona the highway ran alongside the mexican frontier past spanish titled border towns native american eco retreats and luxury hot spring resorts Tiring of the busy roads, we made a rash decision to turn north at El Centro and head towards the wilds of the Sonoran Desert. Our choice was mainly influenced by one name, Slab City. We'd met other travelers on our road trip who had crazy tales about this dystopian art commune built on an old military base. It was exactly the sort of adventure we were looking for. Before long, the droning highway fell away and we found ourselves driving across vacant asphalt in the wobbling heat of the desert. Luckily for us, geography and infrastructure were on our side. All the main highways in Southern California run east to west. Anyone heading to Arizona would take the 10 or 8. Those driving to Las Vegas or New Mexico would take the 40 or 15. Only the back roads cut north, and for most drivers there is little reason to take them unless you have the time or the inclination. Our route spilled us into Nylon, a featureless crossroads town saddled by a cargo rail line. This was the final stop before Slab City, and had already felt miles from modern society. We tentatively followed our map, out of town, toward Salvation Mountain, an enormous mound painted with religious scripture and made famous by the movie Into the Wild. We arrived just as the sun began to set and witnessed the light descending over the mesa. Burnt-out camper vans lay strewn in the dust. Their chassis were painted and adorned with sculptures. Trash art decorated the ground around Salvation Mountain, and we scarcely had time to take everything in before the plane was cast with shadow. With darkness descending, we became acutely aware that we needed somewhere to camp for the night. We drove further into Slab City and eventually stumbled across a circle of old camper vans and RVs lit by a sagebrush fire and fairy lights. A sign hanging near the entrance revealed the location to be Mojo's Camp, and luckily for us, they welcomed newcomers. That night, we sat around the fire swapping stories with other Overlanders. We chatted about their routes, plans, and eventual destinations. Some van lifers came to Slab City each season to avoid winter. Other members, like ourselves, were only passing through for a night or two. Some had been there for years, and their rigs now stood on cinder blots with little hope of ever being resurrected. We spoke to people from all walks of life and together shared a night in the Californian wilderness. Ex-war veterans, hippies, buskers, artists, motorheads, and part-time overlanders were all welcome. Every member took a moment to appreciate time away from the chaos of daily life. The following morning... Woken by the rising heat, we packed up camp and drove on before our fellow van lifers roused from their slumber. We stopped at the Salton Sea to make a cup of coffee and walked along the Salt Lake shoreline to marvel at the drifts of tiny white shells abandoned in the sand. Committed to our journey, we drove on, accompanied by a vast cargo train that chugged alongside the lake and extended past the horizon. We continued north bisecting the main roads and pursuing our solo venture through the desert. The landscape shifted and rolled from craggy mountains to lumping hills and back to vast plains and dusty mesas again. We spent a night camping on a Bureau of Land Management grounds outside Joshua Tree National Park, where we found ourselves back amid a growing crowd. Getting rather fond of our solitude, we chose to drive through Joshua Tree the next day and pressed on in search of more backcountry adventures. That night, we may have got more than we bargained for when the temperature plummeted miles from civilization. Parked in a dry lake beneath a cavernous sky of stars, we curled, shivering, in our three-season sleeping bags as coyotes yipped and barked in the surrounding darkness. A new day thawed our toes and bought a newfound enthusiasm as we drove along a silky black road, straight as an arrow for what seemed like hours. Eventually, we pulled off the highway again and cut up through a mountain pass before dropping down into a lava field, home to the Amboy Crater. Not believing our luck, we camped in an empty car park overlooking the dormant volcano. The setting was spectacular. More empty roads accompanied by the sound of a distant train horn as the sun set over the towering black rubble. The next morning, we decided to hike around the crater rim to gain an elevated view over the scarcely populated basin. Spurred on by our success, we wasted no time continuing north into the Mojave Desert. Once again, we drove alone on the back roads. Enjoying the strange sights in this part of the world, we opted to pull off the tarmac and hammered our way down a washboard road to reach the base of the Kelso Dunes. Here we went for another hike into the wilderness. After an hour of sweating and trudging, we reached the crest of the dunes where we were greeted by mile upon mile of rolling sand. The dunes snaked and twisted into the distance before dropping down into a brown plain. All that marked the landscape was the long straight road that would guide us to our next destination. Now in a groove, we hopped back into our van thrilled to be exploring these seemingly forgotten landscapes. It was hard to believe that we had seen so few people on the roads. At every stopping spot, we were usually alone, accompanied by perhaps one vehicle, if that. It may have helped that we were exploring in the low season. Few travelers are driving through the southwestern deserts of the United States in January, but clearly a trick was being missed. No crowds and mild but sunny weather were a winning combination. Unfortunately, our luck couldn't last forever. After leaving the Kelso Dunes, we soon met the traffic heading along Interstate 15 between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. This marked the official end of our back road adventures. To head further north, we would find ourselves in Death Valley National Park, one of the United States' most popular natural areas. East and west took us to mega-cities, honking traffic and into bustling society. South was the final option, and that would only take us back the way we came which left us with no new trails to uncover. As the cars flashed past us, heading madly and directly to their destinations, we knew we'd experience something special. Rather than take the highways between the well-trodden tourist sites, we'd chosen an adventure of our own by letting the forgotten roads guide our route. Key milestones for other travelers, such as Joshua Tree and Death Valley, now became inconsequential compared to the surprises that had greeted us along the journey. Part of the charm came from the fact that we never knew what each mile held in store for us. To look at our route made me realize how much of America is still out there to be discovered. Even amongst some of the busiest roads, cities, and sites in the United States, unexpected routes can still be found. In fact, the best roads are often tucked right under our noses. All you have to do is step back and find them. Tips and Suggestions for Planning your California Backroads Trip Essential Items When driving the backroads of California, you need to be prepared in the event of a vehicle failure. Gas stations are harder to find away from the main highways. Fill up your vehicle before heading into the backcountry and carry a jerry can with spare fuel in case you run dry. Breakdowns and flat tires may occur many miles from civilization. Ensure you have the proper equipment. By stowing a replacement tire, wheel jack, lug wrench, lug nut key, and potentially an air compressor for dealing with slow punctures. Carry bottles of spare fluids and bring a basic tool kit as well. California's deserts can be devastatingly hot. Prepare for this by carrying plenty of water and staying hydrated throughout your journey. By contrast, the nights can be surprisingly cold. Carry blankets and warm layers in your truck to help keep you cozy. Best time of year to travel. California is a busy state. Weekends and public holidays are accompanied by overpacked car parks and long lines to international parks. Try to avoid these busy times and head on your adventures midweek if possible. Summer is often too hot for driving through the deserts. Instead, plan your trip for the fringe seasons of fall and spring where the days will be milder. It can get surprisingly cold in winter with sub-zero nights aplenty. However, the days are marvelously clear and most of the roads are empty. Top Places to Camp Boondocking is a great way to experience wild areas. Simply park your vehicle in a roadside lay-by, gas station, or backcountry wilderness area and enjoy your night. BLM, Bureau of Land Management Areas, are open to public land use and make for great camping spots. Gas stations are open 24 hours and have access to toilets and refreshments. If you're too tired to look for a better camp spot, don't be afraid to utilize gas station car parks on your road trips. Public parks and visitor centers also have parking spaces that can often be used for camping. Best Apps for Trip Planning One of the best apps for planning backcountry adventures is iOverlander. This is a user-reviewed map that shows all the locations where other campers have stayed before. If you have a Garmin GPS unit, such as the Overlander or TREAD, these units integrate iOverlander and provide an excellent overlay to help you find good boondocking locations as well as mechanics, gas stations, and other areas of interest. Maps.me and Avenza Maps are other fantastic apps for overlanders. You can download maps and use them to navigate offline. This is ideal when you're traveling through California's backroads, as you may lose phone signal and need pre-downloaded maps to help you find your way again.
0: Steen's Mountain, Finding Solace in Southeastern Oregon, by Gary Matos. Dinner was over and the campfire was lit. It was an old school evening. No propane or smartphone apps. Crackling flames against a dark backdrop of Ponderosa soldiers kept us warm on the outside. A peaty scotch whiskey would take care of the inside. Topo maps were spread out on a weathered burl table. Flakes of ash temporarily interrupted the contour lines. The topic was honey holes, camping locations that checked all the boxes, a theme Grayson and I often gravitated towards during similar evenings. Without a prelude, Grayson simply said Steen's Mountain and handed me a book of the same name. We have lived in Sisters, Oregon for seven years. Although we had explored and camped at many locations up and down Oregon's Cascade Range, and gems further east like the Fremont Mountains, we had never been to the Steen's. It is located just shy of 200 miles east of Bend in southeastern Oregon. Steen's Mountain extends about 50 miles in the north, south direction and rises to 9,700 feet. Contrary to initial impressions, Steen's is not a mountain range, but rather a very large, single-fault block mountain known as an escarp. As a result of glacial cuts during the Ice Age, Steens now encompasses four large gorges that emanate in multiple directions from the summit. The Kyger, Little Blitzen, Wild Horse, and Big Indian Gorges offer immense, must-see views. Near the top, Wild Horse Lake can be seen over the edge, while the Albert Desert is a mile below in the other. In the middle of nowhere, a single mountain emerging from the desert is certainly somewhere. Steens Mountain deserves more description than is offered here. But that will wait for another time. Meanwhile, visit the Steens and enjoy one of the rare gems that Oregon has to offer. Then maybe around your next campfire, you may repeat the words of my friend Grayson. Honeyhole! Although it's hard to choose our favorite points of interest, we'd say it's probably Fish Lake, the Nye Brothers Cabins, and Wild Horse Lake Overlook. Spending additional time at these locations yields scenic and quiet camping on a pristine high mountain lake and a four-wheel drive route or hike into an early and well-preserved homestead. If you opt to camp there, the Forest Service converted one of the buildings into a bunkhouse, perfect for gathering inclement weather with water from a nearby spring available. Of course, the highlight is Wild Horse Lake Overlook. The mile-deep drop-off from the precipice is spectacular. We like taking the short hike to the top of Steen's Mountain or down to Wild Horse Lake as a side trip. Both can be done in an afternoon, but pace yourself as the elevation is approximately 10,000 feet. The tough winters and belts of thin soil yield only to sporadic grasses and sagebrush whereas juniper and aspen thrive around the meadows and numerous canyons. Springtime is especially colorful with hundreds of wildflower varieties including the unique Steen's Mountain Paintbrush. Besides the ever-present mule deer, Steens is home to Bighorn Sheep, Mountain Lion, and Wild Horses. Southeast of Steens Mountain is the vast Albert Desert and Hot Springs. There are endless off-road miles to explore where travelers can find century-old shepherd and mining cabins. It is also a gateway into northern Nevada. On the west side, about six miles south of French Glen, is the entrance to Hart Mountain, another expansive area that is home to the National Antelope Refuge. There are plenty of scenic locations for dispersed camping, and several natural hot springs. And to the north, abutting the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge in a network of wetlands, is the Pete French Round Barn, a rare structure into today's world of sharp corners. Many of these sites are nestled in aspen groves with low-hanging branches that tend to flourish near meadows, streams, or lakes. They can be a challenge to access with larger vehicles, but the shade they provide on a hot summer day or the sound of fluttering leaves in an evening breeze is well worth it. In addition, several of the side roads are nothing more than jeep tracks or fire roads with plenty of overgrowth. But don't shy away from a little off-road pinstriping. Many lead to spectacular views or old homesteads. This is where our four-wheel flatbed hot camper shines. We really enjoy getting into pristine places that most travelers cannot. Moving in a clockwise direction, the 70-mile Steens Loop road begins just outside Page Springs. It is the highest elevation road in Oregon. The primary loop is gravel, but features countless spur roads into honey holes, creeks, viewpoints, and old homesteads. Some of the roads require a high-clearance vehicle and or four-wheel drive. The final 10 miles back to French Glen is on pavement. During the past several years, we've been to the Steens a half dozen times, It is our go-to location for several days or as a waypoint into Idaho or Nevada. We always find solace there. Just last month, we visited the Steens again and were treated to warm weather, lush meadows, fast-flowing rivers, and abundance of wildlife. Most trips to Steens Mountain begin with a stop at the French Glen Mercantile Store, for no other reason than to take a step back in time. The owners proudly display a sign at the entrance that reads, social distancing since 1892. You can find a little bit of everything there. Just two miles east of the French Glen store and historic hotel is Page Springs Camp Round, where the brief tour begins. Page Springs is an excellent camp for exploring the Steens. It sits at the northwest base of the mountain where the Donner Blitzen River and its tributaries, wetlands, and meadows are fed by melting snowpack that flow down the steep gorges. This environment is a natural haven for a hundred species of birds. It is not uncommon to see elk and mule deer wander through the campground. A wildlife refuge, which can be explored on dirt roads, is just north and adjacent to the campground. Page Springs and South Steens State Parks have campsites that will accommodate everything from tents to trailers, with plenty of elbow room in between. However, if you have an interest in staying at some of the smaller, more primitive campgrounds, or boondocking on BLM land, then the truck camper or van conversion are a plus.
2: Aegean adventure, an overland journey along the Turkish coast. Words and photos, Thomas Tucker. Earlier this year, my wife and I traveled for two weeks through a destination often overlooked for overland-style travel. I had been living in Turkey for several months and had begun some exploratory weekend outings to learn about and savor the culture, and it seemed like a missed opportunity to visit the country without spending a few weeks with my wife on the trails here. Turkey is one of the best countries I have ever visited for this sort of travel, and has proven to be a true gem for adventure seekers. The West often views it as a cheap destination for a typical resort holiday, or, even worse, as some sort of dangerous land not worth visiting. In reality, Turkey is affordable if you're making Western wages and using Western currency, but the experience itself is anything but cheap. We enjoyed some of the best food, finest views, and happiest times with local people while on our journey, and that sentiment continued throughout the entirety of my time in the country. There are miles upon miles of tracks and hiking trails taking you anywhere so long as your truck is capable. The laws on which dirt tracks you can explore are nearly non-existent, with the only exception being those in clearly marked military zones. This story is less of a guide about what all it has to offer and more about how my wife and I spent two weeks traveling the country and experiencing how truly incredible it is. My wife, Hannah, flew into Izmir, where I had been living at the time. After a few months of separation due to the nature of my deployment to the region as an American service member, we spent the first two or three days enjoying the city, imbibing and joyfully taking in the local cuisine and getting some much-needed personal time together. Izmir is a large city on the western coast known for Kavalter or breakfast spreads, and for being a somewhat westernized city like Istanbul, as compared to destinations farther east on the border with Georgia. Nearby is the port town of Çeşme, a quaint spot with a variety of beautiful little tourist spots to visit and enjoy. If you take this trip or end up in this area, I would not miss spending a day at Alachete or Cheshme for the views and food. Additionally, even though this area is very developed, there are still plenty of opportunities for off-roading and viewing the city from less traditional places. The mountains surrounding Izmir are littered with tracks, and most beaches along the coast can be accessed one way or another. So on our way south, we made sure to hit some of these spots and nab a few images before pushing onward to Bodrum and Oludanese. We camped on a part of the Lycian Way, a gorgeous long-distance hiking trail stretching from Antalya to Fithai. I would love to go back and hike this one day, as the stops we made while traveling along this stretch, those our jeep could reach, had stunning views of Oludanese and Butterfly Valley. I can only imagine the scenery along the entire trek. After shooing off a few hogs in the night and getting breakfast, we traveled to Butterfly Valley and then up to Bobadag, a mountain and popular paragliding launch spot in the area. The mountain has a road leading up, but can also be accessed on the backside by winding through the valleys on a few tracks if your navigational skills are up for the task. From there, we took a series of tracks and roads along the coast from the mountain, exploring the Fithai Mula region. It's really up to you to spend time on Google, even using Gaia as a navigation tool, to build out a track or a series of them, depending on how long you and your vehicle can handle being off the pavement and separated from society. I can't stress enough that the options are endless. From mountain passes to beach camps down to historic sites and little cafes, you could spend months along the western coast of Turkey having the time of your life for a minimal amount of money. Once we passed into Antalya, we quickly made camp for a few nights in a gorgeous area called the Batara Sand Dunes. Here you can camp on the dunes overlooking a magnificent beach in front of you with tons of mountain tracks just an hour away. This is just a taste of what Turkey can offer. There is a massive region of forested mountain tracks to explore across the coast of the Black Sea, the hot air balloon experience and the old town feel of Cappadocia, Istanbul, a portion of which was featured in Outdoor By Force issue 45 in the Expedition Earth article, Van Lake, and so much more. Adventurists who travel to Turkey usually see it as a passing country and less of a destination. However, Turkey is a unique world unto itself, and if you have the time and desire to experience this truly remarkable country, you won't be disappointed. travel tips and suggestions for your Turkish adventure. Learning Turkish phrases will go a long way while traveling the country. If you're less apt to doing so, I'd suggest sticking to the west coast of the country where you'll be less prone to negative interactions. Avoid the Greek border crossings and enter from the Bulgaria border or by ferry. You will need insurance and depending on length of stay, you will need to register your vehicle. Notate any serial numbers of electronics you're carrying for customs as they keep a record while traveling the country. Additionally, be prepared to take everything you brought with you when you leave the country, or pay a hefty tax for it being missing. Rugs purchase cannot be historic or old, and always request the proper paperwork confirming they are neither historic nor old and are new. Phones can be tricky and local SIM cards are troublesome. Pick up a SIM with support in Turkey prior to entry or plan to go without while there. Do try the markets and always haggle. Never shy away from a hole-in-the-wall spot to eat, as those types of places will please your palate. Look out for protests, military movements, or anything of the sort, and give them a wide berth if in the city. Do some reading on local laws, as not all Western customs are accepted here. Do not give money or water to children on big city streets, as they all work together. When they approach, it's best to roll the windows up and lock your doors, unless you don't mind them trying to bait you into paying for a window cleaning you didn't ask for. Locals are often very kind, just mind your manners and be respectful. When wilderness camping, be aware you may be on private farmland, so respect the landowners.
1: Since 1948, the name Warren has been synonymous with adventure. Specializing in winches, hubs, and bumpers to meet truck, SUV, power sport, utility, and industrial demands, WARN is the leader in reliable recovery equipment and accessories. From the entry-level VR Evo line to heavy-duty and specialized application winches, WARN has the gear to get you out of any situation, every time. Preparation is a necessity. WARN. Go prepared.
0: Treasure Road to Mount Antero: Adventure Abounds in Colorado's Backcountry, by Alan Ellis. A four-wheeler was following me up the road. Occasionally it would get close enough for us to see it was commandeered by a couple bearded guys with flannel shirts and no helmets. At first, I thought they were just tourists, like us, enjoying a nice ride up a Colorado 4x4 trail. However, after a while it became apparent they were following us as we drove up the road in our jeeps. After stopping several times with them still behind, staring a bit awkwardly at us, we began to get concerned. In previous issues, you may remember our obsession with the Colorado 14ers and the wonderful opportunities for adventure and off-roading that the 14ers offer. For those who don't know, a 14er is a mountain in Colorado that rises above 14,000 feet. There are 54 mountains in Colorado that are above 14,000 feet in elevation. Climbing and hiking these 14ers in Colorado is a very popular activity for both locals and out-of-state adventure seekers. Fortunately for the avid off-roader and overlander, most 14ers have scenic 4x4 roads to access the beginning of the summit trails. So, in addition to hiking and climbing these great mountains, there are also wonderful backcountry off-roading opportunities. Mount Antero is one of these 14ers that offers a nice combination of off-pavement travel and hiking. Designated as the Baldwin Gulch Road, this 5-mile 4x4 dirt road is long and scenic and takes you within 600 feet of the summit of the mountain at 14,271 feet. Some people choose to hike the entire road, but most use their 4x4 vehicles to cut down some of their hiking distance. That's exactly what we were doing that day as we churned up the road in our jeeps, wondering why these two sketchy dudes were following us in a four-wheeler. go back in time several years and I'm sitting at a bar at the Mount Princeton Hot Springs Restaurant. Mount Princeton is another 14er located immediately north of Mount Intero, and is another popular 14er destination. The nearby Hot Springs are world famous, and the Mount Princeton Hot Springs Resort is ground zero for the hot springs in the area. Many hikers and off-roaders use the hot springs after a long day of outdoor adventure on the 14ers. In fact, to get to the start of the Baldwin Gulch Road at Mount Intero, you'll drive right by the Mount Princeton Hot Springs Resort. Anyway, while I was sitting at the bar, I began chatting with a nice local couple who were apparently gem miners on Mount Intero. Come to find out, they were on the TV show Prospectors for four seasons. This reality show documented the people and mining operations on Mount Intero as it boasts the highest gem field in the continental United States, where they mined aquamarine and blue topaz. Now it all made sense. I didn't know it at the time, but those two guys on the 4-wheeler were following us because they were scouting to ensure we wouldn't illegally encroach on their mining operation. Most of Mount Ontario is under some sort of mining claim, and it is illegal to search for gems, rockhound, or mine anything whatsoever on Mount Ontario. As a result of the numerous locals, tourists, and thieves who try to search for gems on their property, mine owners occasionally follow people who they think might be doing that very thing. Our only interest that day was to get to the top of Mount Intero. Luckily, it was a weekday, so there weren't many vehicles on the road. In contrast, weekends are typically busy with ORVs and other 4x4 vehicles. It has become a popular destination for Jeep and various 4x4 clubs. Since we were behind the wheel of capable off-pavement vehicles, we opted to drive as far as we could on the road. If you go all the way to the top, the road ends at 13,700 feet with only a short 500-foot climb to the summit. However, it is suggested to only attempt the remaining section of the road if you have a capable 4x4 vehicle with high ground clearance. Otherwise, most adventurous park near tree line and hike the remaining section. After we reached the upper part of the road, those guys on the four-wheeler realized we weren't trying to steal any mountain treasure and they began their way back down the road. Hiking or driving the 14ers is a great way to explore the backcountry of Colorado, but there are things to know to keep it a safe adventure. Colorado in summer can have extreme environmental and weather hazards. The temperatures can change 40 to 50 degrees in a matter of minutes, and can go from sunny and mild one minute to cold and stormy the next. It can snow in the high country any day of the year, including summer. Violent thunderstorms with lightning are a daily occurrence during the summer, and they almost always occur every afternoon. The majority of the Baldwin Gulch Road is above Treeline. As a result... The scenery is outstanding, but being above treeline means that you will be exposed to extreme weather conditions and storms once you are above that threshold. The best way to mitigate exposure to storms, lightning, and extreme weather changes is to start early in the morning before the chance for inclement weather moves in. The storms typically start around noon and can last until evening. If you're up there and see dark clouds forming, turn around and try again another day. Fortunately for us, we had outstanding weather and were successful in summiting the mountain. If you're not up to doing the hike to the summit, the road itself is a great day outing. Plus, there are several additional off-roading opportunities and alternate roads that branch off from the main trail, affording the opportunity for multiple trips. And after your day, you can stop at the Mount Princeton Hot Springs Resort and take a dip in the hot springs, then enjoy a nice meal to culminate a day of adventure. Tips for planning your Mount Intero adventure First off, getting there. The Baldwin Gulch Road, Mount Intero, is in south central Colorado between Salida and Buena Vista. From Highway 285 heading north out of Salida, Colorado, go west on County Road 162 for about 12.5 miles to the Baldwin Gulch sign on the left. Turn left onto the Baldwin Gulch Road where the 4x4 difficulty begins almost immediately. About half of the road meanders through the forest, but once you're above treeline, The road turns into a narrow shelf road that zigzags up the side of the mountain. This section is narrow and has extreme exposure. The road trail is 15 and a half miles round trip, whether hiked or driven. For more information, maps, and safety tips, visit www.14ers.com. What to bring high clearance four wheel drive vehicles with full size spare tire, a tire repair kit with portable 12 volt compressor, recovery equipment warm clothing, extra food and emergency overnight gear in case of breakdown. Wear non-cotton hiking clothes, sturdy trail shoes or boots, hat, sunscreen, and rain gear. The 10 essentials include food, water, emergency shelter, extra clothing layers, map, compass, a light source, fire starting kit, a knife or multi-tool, and first aid kit. Cell phone coverage is not reliable in the Valley. However, it improves above tree line, so plan accordingly. Be safe and enjoy your mountain taro adventure. Last, what we like. For all my mountain adventures, I rely on my Cento 9 Baro Titanium Watch. This rugged GPS outdoor smartwatch has altimeter, barometer, compass, and fitness tracking. Plus, it also looks great around town. Paired with your phone and several different navigation apps, it's the perfect wearable navigation tool. Here's what's coming up in issue 47 of Outdoor by Four magazine. Nicholas Bratton takes us on an adventure along the Washington backcountry discovery route. Jason Bowman shares his experiences while overcoming cancer via surfing and overland travel. Jonathan Hansen shares his expertise via his regular destination overland column. And Daniel Thornton sits down and visits with the folks at Radius Outfitters. Also, be sure to visit the Outdoor by 4 website at www.OutdoorX4.com regularly for new tips, reviews, and stories, and join our e-newsletter to stay in the loop on the latest from Outdoor by 4. You can also follow Outdoor by 4 and the adventures of our staff and contributors on Instagram and Facebook at outdoorx 4 on TikTok and YouTube at OutdoorX4Magazine, and by following the hashtag OutdoorX4. Until our next issue, we wish each of you the happiest of adventures.